This is the Bedford Blues Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blues Podcast. Well, we're not too far away from the game that we've all been waiting for as Boxing Day Rugby returns to a sold-out Goldenton Road with a visit of Jersey Reds. It's been five years since those encapsulating scenes of George Perkins's late heroics to defeat Harvey Bills on side, and Blues will be desperate to conclude 2021 in the perfect manner, buoyed by an, as ever, vociferous support. Don't panic if you've missed out on tickets, as the match will be live-streamed with commentary courtesy of Bedford favourite Sam Roberts. Head to www.bedfordrugby.co.uk forward slash tickets to purchase a live stream pass and continue your support of the team from home. Ahead of the game, I've caught up with some key figures at the club to discuss the first half of the season and the year as a whole. Later, we're going to hear from Chief Operating Officer Gareth Alred and one of our standout performers so far this season, Jack Hughes. But first, we're going to catch up with Director of Rugby, Mike Rare. Well, Mike, thank you for joining me. Um, we're talking ahead of the London Scottish Games. We're not quite at the halfway stage of the championship season yet, but can you take me through um, your thoughts for the first uh, nine games of the season? Yeah, look, I think we've, we've, uh, we've improved in, in, in certain areas as, we, as we've gone along. Obviously, uh, last week was hugely disappointing, probably our worst performance of the season at Coventry. But overall, I guess where we sit in the league is probably a reflection of, of where we're at. You know, we got blown away against England first half, uh, apart from that being pretty competitive. Obviously, down in Pirates, um, down to 14 men, made a, made, a, made a mountain decline for ourselves. Um, you know, and, and we lost to sort of Richmond and Coventry in disappointing circumstances. So, you know, we probably deserve to be where we are. Um, disappointingly, because I think there's huge potential in this team. Um, but you know the challenge now is to is to, to to learn from the first half of the season really and um, look at this next block and uh, and you know hopefully string in you know better performances over a longer period during the game we're playing in sort of fits and starts and uh, you know I've got to say we we scored some unbelievable tries I have to say so we it's a real X factor about this but um, I guess from a coaching perspective you always want a little bit more consistency and. Um, and the ability, really, once we get in, inside the 22, that's probably been our downfall. It's not converting once we're in a 22. We could score from 60, but we need to we need to score more regular from pressure positions. There's been quite a few new faces over the summer. Is it a case of we're always going to build every week that we go on and we've got that team cohesion building all the time? Yeah, absolutely. It's the same every year for us, really. If we do have a, um, a bit of a sea change in personnel, it's, um, it's kind of playing catch-up. All of the full-time sides obviously have... Um, the benefit of having a lot more sessions together, um, uh, and um, you know, we tend to be reactive coaching to, to to what's gone on previous weekend, really, um, and fixing things up as we go along. But you know, I think there's uh, there's certain sort of um, areas of our game that we can hang our hat on, which which are pretty pleased. And I guess that picture sort of emerges over the course of um, seven, eight, nine games where your real strength is, and um, obvious to everybody, it's clearly our back three is been outstanding so far this year. We've had six try the week wins, scored try bonus points on six occasions um, so far this season. You've mentioned the back three, but we are the second highest scorers in the championship as well. I guess it's just, it's classic Bedford rugby so far this season. Yeah, look, we, we you know, we want to, of course we want to win. I mean, that goes without question, you know, but we want to, 
we want to entertain people. We want, want to continue to make uh, Golden Road the best place to be on a on a match day. And um, to do that, you've got to play some some you know entertaining rugby. Look, there's time and place for pragmatism, and and we've shown that. You know, particularly sort of Harbury away, I thought that was probably one of our best performances. You know, but we set out, and our intent is you know every week to to move the ball and get all 15 involved. And um, you know, that, 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 that's not going to change. I mean, obviously, weather, pitches this time of year are, um, actually shape your approach. Um, but obviously, you've kind of worked that out in the first 20 minutes of a game. You know, the, the intent is always there to play in, in that, um, that opening period. And, and um, if for whatever reason things are not quite working because of the conditions, then kind of after, I don't want to say plan B, because that's pretty... Um, <laughs> Pretty topical, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have to refer to a bit more smart rugby, really. It's the first time in a while that you get the chance to play teams twice. It seems a bit a bit infrequent that we get to play them again. Is there a chance in the second half of the season to put certain things right, maybe that didn't go well the first time you faced sides? Uh, yeah, I, I don't... I don't. What I'll say is, now we've played pretty much everybody, and everybody. I'm, I'm sure every coach... Director rugby will say the same in a division. On the day, you know, you've got a chance against everybody. You know, Elian will probably, without shadow of doubt, the strongest side we played. They, they actually blew us away um, first half here. You know, it's always tough going to their place. But apart from that, I think on, on any given day, sides can beat each other. So I think everyone's going to look forward to the second half of the season because you've been so competitive. And, um, you know, it's not a question of, of, of putting anything right. It's just a question of being right on the day. It's something that Sean mentioned to me after the, the Coventry game. He described it as a yo-yo championship season, teams jumping around places all the time. O only the top three have won three or more games in succession. Hmm. Um, why do you think that the championship is as competitive as it is this season where everyone can beat anyone in teams that were 10th can jump to 4th, teams that were 4th can jump to ninth. Why do you think that the championship is so competitive this season? Well, uh, look, first and foremost, there's... Uh, it, it's great that we've we've got such a competitive league. I think there's been some some outstanding games of rugby, some unbelievable tries scored across the board um, from all sides. And um, I think what you've got now is you know seasoned champ clubs like ourselves, Nottingham, who know how to win a game of rugby if if it comes down to it because of their experience in the league. You know, and then you know Doncaster, Cornish Pirates, full time sides. You know, their their preparation is is excellent. They're well coached. And now you've got your Amtils and your Richmonds who actually have a real good experience of this league. Obviously, they haven't been in it a long time, but now they know how it, how it operates. They've they spent a bit of time here now and um, they know what it takes to win games of rugby. So um, I guess you know, it was a mix of you know, your full-time sides and then your experienced championship sides. That makes it, um, makes it very competitive. You've always allowed the players to play with the, the term I'd use is the shackles off. You let them express themselves. Do you think that the the fact that there's no relegation this season has maybe allowed other clubs to think the same, and maybe that's why we're getting so many good tries? Teams are trying to play more expansive rugby this season. Look, I I, I, I guess you'd have to ask them other clubs that <laughs> last season. I didn't think so. I mean, we did have relegation last season. There was still a lot of sort of ten man rugby, for want of a better phrase. But um, it, it, it definitely seems to be um. Uh, willing and more willingness to, to to play some good football this year, and, and um, you know, long may that continue. But um, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, for instance, our first game at Jersey, they still scored five driving out tries. So Cornish Pirates, they still scored five times from five meters out. So it's like you know, I think every side wants to play. However, 
it's always good to have that, have that weapon of a, of a, of a, a good mauling game in the championship. It's, it's, it's been here forever, hasn't it? It's not, it's not like it's something new. So, um, so yeah, you know, you know, we'd like to get to a point where we have a, a real good balance of being able to do that um, from five, 10 metres out, as I alluded to earlier, and also the ability to, um, to score from, uh, from first phase, fourth phase, sixth phase, or, or counter-attack. You know, it's, um, you know, we're trying to develop all, all ways to, um, to score tries, really. Something quite topical at the moment. We're a couple of weeks away from the Championship Strategic Review meeting again. We've talked about all this positivity, how competitive the league is. England were calling up players like Nick Dolly that was in the Championship last season. Um, are you feeling quite positive ahead of those meetings uh, in a couple of weeks' time? Well, look, I think we tried to put our best foot forward and, and you know, we've, we've been quite vocal and we've, we've put a paper together um, to share with the other championship clubs. Um, as a, you know, the names you mentioned there, we you were involved in the dossier and, and the um, the appendix that was attached to that paper where there's over 100-odd players um, that have gone on to, to Prem or, or even British Lions, you know, Ali Price being the most recent one. You know, the actions, we, we provided a lot of actual physical and factual evidence not any fanciful stuff it's it's um it's hard facts at the end of the day what this this uh, division has done you know it it unfortunately like I, I'm, I'm, we've had a part in the process whether we influence that process only time will tell but um i think the rfu you've got have to listen to the clubs and um and then they have to make their make their call together with the clubs you know it, it'll be a shame if uh, we get left behind and our partnership with Northampton Saints is again showing positives. And when you look at, when you talk about the value of the championship, Ollie Newman, Josh Gillespie all made their Saints debuts in the Prem Cup a couple of weeks ago. We expect them to obviously go on to play uh, in the Premiership as well. You even look at senior figures like Carl Wilkins comes to Bedford when he arrives, plays a few games. He's now at Stalworth in the in the first team. Does that again show the transition? Um, between the, the Championship and the Premiership that a lot of the boys that are here are playing for the Saints in the first team? Yeah, well, by definition, um, they're called rugby players, so they have to play. And I know that sounds a bit... Um, I'm not, not being trying to be funny with that, but it's about playing, isn't it? I've mentioned it a few years ago. You, you know, I never made any memories from a pay packet. I made memories from playing, and, um, you know, that, that, that still holds true, really. It, it, if you're a player, no matter what level you're playing at, surely it's about putting your boots on and going out there and having a good old run round with your mates, you know, and whatever level that is. If it's if it's a Champions Cup, if it's um, Premiership, if it's Championship, if it's National One, you know, you've got to enjoy these times because you know what's what's the, what's the window shelf life of a player is probably ten years, probably eight if you're a professional. So every opportunity you can get, get your boots on and get out there. That's 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 my opinion, and um, you know it's. Uh, it's great that these lads, uh, you know, like uh, Brandon Nansen and and um, Carl, Danny Hobbs, you know, Reese Marshall, you know, even the senior players have um, have come down and they realise they've got to be battle hardened before they can go back and um, pick up in the prem with uh, with the Saints. Talk about about those those good times. How good is it that obviously it's still loads of COVID restrictions in the championship and in general life, but how good is it that we're kind of the players could integrate a little bit more because I know that's something that you're really key about. Yeah, look, I, th I think we've got to be careful with the integration bits of it, but um, it's definitely great to have them in the in the ground to start with. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, our supporters are absolutely bonkers and barking mad. They travel length and breadth of a 
of the country to watch us. Um, and there's nothing better than being at home here. The lads absolutely love it. Um, and you know, there's great synergy between our supporters and our players. They 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 hold them in, in high esteem, the people of Bedford, uh, uh, the players, and the players really appreciate that. Obviously, it's my job to keep them a little bit grounded. You know, it's so important that you know our fans you know continue to um to come through the gates and and um you know it's important for us then to to put on performances and to, to keep them and get them involved in the game and you know what it's like. I mean, it's nothing better than being here when you score in the last minute to win a game because the bloody roof comes off it. So um, you know, don't get me wrong, it likes to have some more comfortable wins, <laughs> but um they do often and have many, many times got us over the line when we needed it. Even, even against Ealing, I thought they were brilliant against Ealing because obviously the writing was on the wall at half time. And you know what? They stuck by us in second half. We actually won the second half. So um, a lot of that was down to the to the supporters getting getting behind us. So um, fantastic that we, we were able to, to get them back in and to see them here. And obviously the next step now is to is that fully integration when this whole COVID thing actually does disappear and we, we learn to live with it. Fans will be listening to this interview ahead of a Boxing Day game. I've never experienced Golden Road at Boxing Day. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. It will be different to maybe years before with crowd numbers and that kind of thing. But just how how excited are you uh, ahead of a, a Boxing Day fixture where this ground is packed, everyone's happy, and you'll be, I'm sure, hoping for the same result as Jersey 5 <laughs> five years ago when you talk about those late... late yeah, late, late probably, probably one of my favourite memories ever. Um along with beating Bristol here when we cleared the snow off the pitch, supporters and all. So, yeah, it's something special. I mean, and again, talking about getting people involved. I mean, the roof come off that day simply because we scored right at the death. I mean, you know, a lot of people come here for the social interactions, the family, friends they haven't seen all year. And it really is a, is a great day. And it's just the epitome of what Bedford's about, really. It's, um, it's great rugby, great entertainment, great off the field, you know, hospitality or, you know, IPA, you know, whatever, everybody sort of um, seeing uh, friends and family they haven't seen for a long time. And it'll probably be even more special issue because obviously there wasn't really a Christmas last year. So um, I'm sure a lot of people will be um, climbing over the over the walls to try and get in. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good fixture for us, isn't it? I mean, Jersey, you know, good side. Um, it's the start of the second part of the season and um, hopefully it'll be a, a great game and a great day. And um, obviously uh, it'll inspire the players to... Um, to, to, to sort of um, new levels. Well, Mike, it's been great to catch up. I'm sure I'll speak on behalf of all the supporters and wishing you and the family a very happy Christmas and we look forward to speaking to you again in the new year. Thanks, Ryan. Hi, Bedford Blues fans. I hope you have a happy Christmas and a happy new year and I hope to see you down here for the Jersey Reds game at home on Boxing Day. Uh, this is In the Spotlight with Jack Hughes. Jack, you're one of nine players who have played every game so far this season. How proud of you that you're getting a consistent run of games so far this campaign? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the main reasons I signed for Bedford um, and under Mike was to get playing and get playing regularly. And yeah, I've really enjoyed this season. We've played 10, won five, lost five. So I suppose in the second half of the season, we'll be looking forward to uh, push on and uh, get a bit more consistency. It's fair to say this is the first time in your career that you've had a consistent run of games. Um, how pleasing is that for you that you've managed to hold your position in this team? Yeah, it's uh, it's pleasing. Yeah, you're right. I was leaving school when I was at Saints for a couple of years and it's hard to push into a, a team when there's three and four hookers in front of you there. So, no, it's, I've, I've really, as I said, I've really enjoyed playing um, and hopefully I, can, hopefully I can keep my place um, for the rest of the year.
you got one last season. You're scoring tries on a more frequent habit this year. Um, is that a part of your game that you were looking to add this season? Yeah, de definitely. Um, I think someone said the other day, it's amazing how much modern day hookers score now. And that's not just through at the back of a mall, that's peeling off a mall or, you know, set plays off a mall and, um, and you know, the pick and go game. So, no, definitely, if I can score more tries, then that'll be, that'll be good for the team. Yeah, and growing up in a rugby league background, you're talking about certain players with that try against London Scottish. It was quite remarkable how you managed to do it. Yeah, it just, we, me and Tui had said in the week that he was going to give it to me. Um, and so I thought I might have to do a, a small dive, but the wing had stayed quite out. And so I thought the only way I was going to have to sort of jump around him and it just, it just, it just happened, I guess. Yeah. Two and two leading into Jersey Reds. Um, looking to make a hat-trick, I guess, for three tries in successive games. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great in such an important game. I mean, when I, when I first signed here back in summer, all the boys and the, the coaches were saying about this Boxing Day game, how it's probably the, the feature event of Bedford's season in terms of the crowd and, and how the boys will get up for it. So, no, we're all, we're all looking forward to it. And, yeah, hopefully make it three from three. Yeah, you talk about it being the feature game. It's one of the reasons that you told me in the summer when you signed here that love the crowd here at Goldenton Road. It's going to be four and a half thousand and more watching on the live stream. How excited are you to, to get that furor in the ground? It'll be similar to the Saints pre-season game, I guess. Yes, yeah, similar to the Saints pre-season game. But um, as you said last week, Ryan, we were the, the unofficial man of the match for the crowd. And they were, even though it probably wasn't the highest tenants of the season against Scottish, it was definitely one of the loudest I've heard them. So hopefully if we can get a good game and play well against Jersey, that will be well, doubled in noise um, for the game on Boxing Day. Yeah, we played Jersey first game of the season, I got it wrong between you and Tui, who scored the try, but we uh, resolved it in the end. Uh, what did you learn in that game that you'll maybe be taking into Boxing Day? Um, well, from that day, uh, I'm pretty sure Jersey scored four more tries. Um, so we'll be, we'll be looking at that this week. And um, since then, I think the, our mall defence has really improved. We played Doncaster the week after that, I remember, and we had a, a massive response there in the mall. So we'll be looking to eliminate them up front and then get Maisie, Dino and Rich on the ball at the back. Let's talk about the overall season as well. Um, what's the, the main positive and the main negative that you're taking so far heading into the second half of the campaign? Uh, probably the main positive um, as a team is when we are, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but on our day, we can beat anyone in this league. And I mentioned earlier, we're five from five. So it's about turning that into seven or eight wins, I guess, this second half of the season. And that also yeah, brings in my negative then, how we've been that inconsistent. But yeah, the positive being is, on our day with our backs and um, a good platform set by us forwards, we can, I think we can go toe to toe with anyone. You were at Saints um, last season, a couple of years before, so you would have had James Fish and Reese Marshall as teammates, but to have them here in the, in the Bedford squad as well on loan in various different points, what have you learned from them that you'll be taking into the second half of the season? Um, James and Fish have been really good with me when I was at Saints and at Bedford. Um, and they're good. They're good role models in in terms of people. You know how they prepare and train. Reese is probably he'd say himself. He's a, he's a good defender. So watching him how he flies out the line and um, chops people. And Fishy's got great hands and skills that you need for a hooker. Um, you know when he's passing out the back and in the in the loose. So no, both of them have their different qualities. And watch them play for two years. I've hopefully learned a bit off them. Yeah, you've become one of the most important players in the team in many respects. The only fit uh, hooker in 
quote unquote, you've obviously got players that can play there, but you're the specialised hooker. How much pressure has that put on you in the last few weeks where you couldn't really get injured? You know, I, I hasn't really put any pressure on me. I've, I've sort of enjoyed knowing I'm going to get a spell of games uh, under my belt and showing Mike and Sean what I can what I can do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's put any extra pressure on me. I, I do if, if I go injured, then <laughs> then we've got an unrecognised hooker to come on. But no, I've I've, been, I've enjoyed it and um, looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, Jacob Fields now cleared to play. Will Biggs not too far away. What do you have to do to keep your starting spot in the Bedford team next week for the second half of the season? Um, I think just, you know, continue how I'm, how I'm going, showing Mike and Slug that I can keep going in the set piece. Um, you know, the luck, keeping that line out and scrum uh, stable. And then, I mean, that's that's the bread and butter of a hooker. Uh, and then showing, you know, that I can do the other stuff with that, that finish last week and showing that I can be useful around the pitch as well. So if I can keep keep improving, then hopefully I'll be keep my place in the team. Just a quick word on those two and the uh, hooker department here at Bedford Blues. Will obviously, unfortunately, got injured really early into his competitive debut. Cubby hasn't featured yet through injury. How how positive have they been, actually, that although they haven't got many game minutes, they've been with you here at training quite often, trying to help you through games. I mean, just how positive is, is, is that when they've been maybe struggling with the injury problems to keep you motivated throughout the season? Yeah, so when I was here uh, last year on loan, um, I met Cubby then and he was really helpful, when, not just this season, but last season when I've been playing and stuff and I was really properly started to play my first competitive games at Bedford. So he's been, he was really helpful last year and this and both Bigsy and Cubby have been at every session um, this year. And I've been, Bigsy's just come back in the other week and he's been allowed to throw again, so I've been throwing with Bigsy. But no, both of them have been, have been brilliant in their injuries. They've been here every week and not just supporting me, supporting the whole team. Well, Jack, very best of luck on Boxing Day and have a very happy Christmas. Cheers, thank you. Well, Gareth, good to catch up. Um, let's start actually by looking backwards on 2021 as a whole. What are your overall reflections from a Bedford Blues perspective? Tough, challenging, but rewarding at times. Um, lots of learning. It's been a bizarre year, hasn't it? Um, very challenging financially, but incredible to see the support of the town the club um, and how people have come together to, to bring us through it so from a season of truncated season of live streaming games behind closed doors to um to what could be an incredible boxing day and a, and a sellout attendance so um yeah lots of ways in between and we're still amongst challenges but um a very mixed year and one like no other it seems such a long time ago when we were launching the crowdfunder but that was actually this year we've had things like that we've had a sellout fireworks event we've had live streaming with games behind closed doors we're now going into a sellout game against jersey with another live stream there's been two polar opposites i guess throughout the year but um how good has that su uh, support been you've hinted to it a lot in your program notes for sunday but how crucial has it been for this club yeah i mean massively crucial um yeah, it does feel probably like we've had three years in one year um in terms of you know saying about the crowdfunder there and you mentioned it the other day I, it does feel like a long time ago but then when you have a look at the success of it it brings it all back and and you know to raise what 100k in 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 roughly about a month um just shows what this club means to people and it's kind of nice to be the bastions or the guardians of of, of it for this this current period and, and seeing the the enjoyment on fans faces when they return to golden road made it all somewhat worth it. You know, we've done lots of initiatives, haven't we? We've you know, seen those those people's names on the shirt this season, um, people who kind of saved us in in one of our darkest hours, but this club's had a few. So, you know, it, 
it's brilliant and like you say you mentioned boxing day you've you mentioned a few things there right so i'm trying to keep up to speed but with <laughs> with boxing day um you know we're not out of the woods yet but we're we're pretty excited to see what what that will be and to having sold the game out over a week in advance it's pretty special It'd be nice to repeat that for a few other games this season one of the lines we've often said uh, in the office this year is it's the toughest time to launch a charity um, you are a trustee of the Blues Foundation who have continued to grow um, this year. Can you just maybe um, talk us through how good that progression has been in 2021 and how much impact you've had in the local community? Yeah, certainly launching it in the same month as the pandemic hit was uh, was a challenge, but it also gave us great opportunity. Um, so, you know, again, thanks to the fans that probably wanted to support some project to do with the Blues when we weren't playing rugby. It gave us a real opening to support the vulnerable so we launched you know incredible initiatives like meals for the vulnerable um laptops for for, for school children um we did lots of fundraising and, and different programs health uh, related and you know we, we're setting up the second year of tri january right now so yeah in, incredible to see that that success we be honest and our, tom harwood as our foundation manager has done an incredible job of hitting the ground running um and and he's led on most of those initiatives he's got a great set of trustees around him maybe me not one of them but the the rest of them you know just a real joy to be involved with the foundation and and the charitable aspects and objectives that it's meeting um but also it's worked in conjunction with a really successful community department you know and adam king's been a big part of that and you know our schools projects and the outreach you know they've worked really well together and um, we're looking forward to, to seeing how they grow together in the future. Yeah, it's clear there are positives to take from 2021. You talk about those areas of growth. The community department will continue to expand. We've now got a couple more full-time staff members that we maybe didn't have at the start of 2021. How excited are you going into 2022? Yeah, I mean, we're in good shape off the field um, in terms of the team here, but there are still so many variables that it would be silly to try and predict where we're at. I mean, you know, just listening even this evening to Boris's announcement, you know, where we're obviously, you know, Boxing Day is massive for us as a club, both financially, but also at the end of this year, it would be great to have something to celebrate. And, you know, who can forget the game against Jersey some years ago on Boxing Day, um, which was was pretty special. And, you know, it's gone from strength to strength. We won't talk about the Amtel games too much, but uh, they've been great to watch it, the sellout crowds at Goldington Road. I think in terms of moving forward, um, we've got a strong board. Um, we're in a, you know, the, the, the directors are really supportive. I'm sure we'll talk briefly about the strategic review. That's saying, again, that's outside of our control. COVID is certainly something we have very little in terms of information to guide where we're going to go going forward. What I would say is we've learned a lot. So, you know, whatever happens, we'll be in a good place to adapt going forward. Um, Staff-wise, yes, we've grown. We've we've full-time commercial manager, full-time events manager. We've, we're looking at new different opportunities going forward. And you know, it's really positive, um, but it's all on the back of the success we've achieved through our supporters and fan base. So we need to do that to make sure that we remain a sustainable club. And following the funding cuts and COVID, we've got to make sure that we generate more income, really, than we ever have uh, by our own means. So, um, yeah, we're set up well, but we're still a rugby club first and foremost. And, you know, we want to see um, the best given rugby on and the best given entertainment destination in Bedfordshire on any given match day. You mentioned it, the Boxing Day fixture, your personal memories you kind of hinted to a little bit there five years ago George Perkins thrilling late try to see off Jersey how good would it be to sign off this year in a positive fashion yeah it'd be great um Jersey's one of my former clubs um 
yeah, so it would be nice to, to beat them on home soil on Boxing Day. But it'll be a challenge, Jersey, uh, full-time side, um, very physical, very strong up front. Um, so I'm pretty sure Mark and the lads know what they're going to expect. We obviously had a tough game out there, first game of the season, uh, I think it was, wasn't it, um, that we're away there. So um, it'll be tough. At the moment, my focus is just getting the game on, doing what we can to make sure it's a safe and enjoyable destination on match day, hoping the players come through all the COVID testing because it's 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 pretty onerous. The guys, you know, from our COVID manager, Dave, to, to Nibbo, Doctor and Mayor as head physio have done a fantastic job um, to look after the players. But, you know, again, there's variables that we just don't have to hand that, that we just pray will leave us in the best place to get the match on. Um, and then off the field, we're doing all we can to get 4,000 people into Goldenton Road so, um, and, and do it safely. So, look, I think the match and the result would be the icing on the cake. But, uh, you know, if we can just get a fantastic match day experience on, that would be, for me, a huge success and I mean that we can enjoy the, the, the new year. The game kickstarts the second half of the campaign. We've actually got quite a, a lot to look forward to in the second half of the campaign, particularly at Goldenton Road. We've got the Battle of Bedfordshire coming up in January, Real Ale Festival, final home game of the season, and a couple of old rivalries renewed as well in there. How how good is it to see that there's, there's something to play for in every game at Goldenton Road? Uh, absolutely. There always is in the way that Mike gets the boys playing. It uh, doesn't matter what the opposition is. It seems to be... Um... It seems to be a nerve-wracker at times, nail-biting. Yeah, look, games with Amptel, um are always important and actually where we're quite near to each other in the table, it'd be really nice to finish above them. So uh, I'm sure the boys will be targeting that. Um, Hartbury, we know how good they've been. Cornish Pirates, I mean, again, they're pushing for the top. So, um, you know, it'd be great to have a hand in that contest. You know, we've got Jersey, Doncaster Knights, Cornish Pirates all chasing the top. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to... To have an impact on that race, I guess, and 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 mix it around with them. I think the boys feel and, and they know that they can mix it with any side in this league. And then you mentioned Coventry, another old rival, and 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 one we're looking forward to with the Ale Festival. I mean, we've also got a cup to launch. Um, details still to be confirmed. Again, we're we're waiting. I would say patiently, but I'd be lying. Um, we're we're desperate to have the news on them and launch those fixtures. And I wouldn't say quite summer rugby, but spring rugby would be nice. So, yeah. Um, and there could be some silverware to win. So um, we've always enjoyed the BNI Cup and other competitions. So let's see what this cup competition looks like. But um, yeah, we'll be we'll be playing on all fronts. So yeah, exciting. Lots to look forward to. Um, we've got various events planned. We're on the cusp of, of trying to announce a couple of sportsmen's dinners. One very exciting one, which will be coming soon. So yeah, there's, there's lots to look forward to. We've also got different events planned for the summer, making use and sweating the asset a bit further. So um yeah, there's, there's lots to look forward to in, in 2022. The structure of that cup competition, I guess, is one of the things being talked about in the Championship Strategic Review. We've spoken about it before. You've hinted to it in a, in a previous answer already today. Um, what do you hope are going to be the outcomes from that sit-down review, which we think is going to take place in the next couple of weeks? Well, some outcomes have already come out, apparently, haven't they? Um, the National League or, or um, the RFU along with them has announced that it'll be one slash two coming up. Um that based on whether Elin or another club um, gets promoted and takes their place, having met the minimum standards to go up to the Premiership. If they do, then two clubs will come up from National One, um, albeit that we haven't had that officially communicated to us, but it's it's out there as, as posted. So I presume that's what's happening. I mean, look, the one thing I hope that comes out of any of this is communication, because it's just not been strong enough. And 
continually, you know, our board have been brilliant in trying to fight for, for that knowledge to be shared and it, it, it hasn't happened. So I guess there's, there's challenges around that that need to improve. Oh, what do I hope to achieve? We believe in the championship. We believe the, the, the second tier of elite rugby uh, has produced some incredible value, certainly from the development pathways to, you know, the, the identities of those clubs. You know, we sit a little bit privileged in terms of having fantastic crowds, you know, upwards of two and a half thousand on average. And, you know, Boxing Day, again, just shows the ability that we can achieve. So we're not like every other club in that perspective and therefore they have other challenges but we believe in this league um, we believe there is a structure that exists already we believe that it could be sold better that there's more commerciality in the league if they if, if somebody really got hold of it um, and it's tough for the RFU you know they're they're the guardians of this league they, they run this league they're the owners of this league but you know predominantly they're about the grassroots game participation and the England rugby team there's lots of parties with probably different agendas um, that make it difficult when it's around the table trying to find and plan the way forward. But we remain extremely positive about the championship. Um, and all I can say is that we hope um, the right outcome is uh, is found for the for the positive, you know, enforcement of the second tier and, and gives people something to aspire to. Um, you know, we're, we're really lucky. I'm, I'm getting tongue tied even talking about it because it's it's challenging, isn't it? We believe in it. We think there's value in the league as it is. But we do, we're not silly. We do feel there needs to be improvements. Funding is a central question. And we need to find the right way to um, for the powers that be to invest in it. You talk about the value of the championship. We tried um, throughout the past year to try and shout about the positives of Bedford and what we've given to the championship when we created lists of players that have gone on to bigger and better things. As a league, that's that obviously happens at every club and part of that messaging now is the is the championship clubs podcast which you've taken a sort of active role in moving forwards um, and it's allowed more stories to come to light from other clubs that maybe don't have as much um, presence out there at the moment how important is it that we keep shining that light on the on on the second tier of rugby to make sure that people know how important the championship is I'll take the latter first in terms of shining the light I think it's massively important I don't think it's been done enough for for many years um and I think actually we've yielded some success in terms of shouting about the league and, and actually it's made, made people stand up and take notice, certainly with press coverage, certainly with um, outside viewing, certainly from, from our spectator base, we feel as though we've made inroads by, by doing that. Um, everyone is aware of it, but sometimes you need to make sure it's on the, you know, the front page, maybe rather than the back page, rather on, on no page at all. So, you know, we, we are very focused on, making sure i mean the, the the pillars that were shown up about the championship that hasn't met at bedford we feel like we met all of them and therefore you know we're, we're very clear that we feel that value i keep saying the same word but the value in the league um we we feel that's been demonstrated there's evidence to show i mean the players i mean hundreds by hundreds of players that have made the transition to the premiership or higher level and then international rugby in terms of the championship clubs podcast um yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm one of a few people who, who founded that and have, have, have been working on it. I'm really proud of what it's achieved. I'm, I'm thankful for the team of people around me that have, that have contributed. Um, I think the players really enjoy, uh, it's given them a platform, um, given them a bit of pride, you know, even the team of the week stuff that, that we put together. Um, I think it gives people a bit of pride in what they're doing and what they're achieving. And 
and sh- shouldn't we shout about these players? They're fantastic players in their own right. And, you know, I, I kind of hate the the narrative that's been creative, uh, you know, even the Champ Life stuff, which is brilliant and hilarious by some of the players. Um, you know, we put ourselves down, we're self-deprecating as a league, but sometimes we actually should be shouting about how many great things we achieve and, and, and what the league stands for. And there's some incredible stories, you know, whether it's, you know, the full-time aspirations of Elian, whether it's the the part-time, you know, builders or landscape gardeners at, at you know, either Bedford or Richmond or wherever to, to city slickers and, and, and different people um, at other part-time clubs. And, you know, there's just identities, you know, from Pirates to Jersey to... Um, to the history between us and Coventry, you know, there's there's so many great stories. So yeah, I I, I felt you know this league means a lot to me. I've um, been at a few clubs in there, and and I think it's really important that we showcase that. And that's why we created the podcast. It's also why we created the live streaming originally um, in the year that that we we were playing behind closed doors. Um, I think there's work to be done. I actually think some of the championships, uh, the RFU's um, new social media coverage of the of the league um, and the guy that's putting that together is first class so I think I think there's something building we've just got to keep it going in the right direction um, it's all great they're shouting about it but we also need people to take notice and we need the numbers to grow um, crowds okay they've been COVID impacted but crowds haven't remained brilliant across the league and and we need to make sure that every club is uh, producing the best experience that it can do under the resources and very challenging resources that it has um, to make sure that we we remain in the conversation. I think we've covered all the topics that I'm sure supporters will be desperate to know a bit more about. I guess the only thing for me to say is have a very happy Christmas and uh, let's hopefully get a win on Boxing Day. I, I will see you every day throughout it all, Ryan, so uh, you won't get away from me. Yeah, and thank you to all of our supporters. Um, just incredible, the support we've received this year and continue to do. So happy Christmas. Hopefully see you Boxing Day, as you said. <laughs>